Um, we are in week three of a sermon series called Action Required. Now you may remember the sermon series before this. I spent some time thinking about and talking about uh, some of the things that God might do for us. But this sermon series is looking at things in a different way. It's asking us what God might require of us as disciples, as followers of Jesus. And so you may remember three weeks ago, we told the story of the Good Samaritan, and, and I suggested that maybe the action required as evidence from that passage of Scripture is that you and I are intended to love others unconditionally. Not just the people that look like us, not just the people that we like, not just the people that we find lovable, but we really are supposed to seek to love even those that hate us, even those that don't see the world in the same way as we see the world. Well, then last week we looked at the story of Mary and Martha, and I suggested to you that perhaps the action required as evidence in that story is that uh, we need to stop and listen to what God might be saying to us about our priorities. Because you and I can get so distracted on one important thing, like Martha did when she was fixing something for Jesus to eat when he came to visit, but that you're so focused on the one important thing that you neglect or fail to appreciate the other and sometimes even more important things in life. Well, today we're looking at this passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And as I read this story this week, I, I think the, the action required, the thing that God might want us to hear and to do uh, in response to the Scripture reading is to persistently pray. Persistently pray. Now, I'm going to confess something to you. I almost stopped today's scripture reading at the end of verse 8, because that's right before Jesus says this thing about, hey, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. And the reason why I almost stopped before Jesus said that, because I can name a lot of times in my life where I asked for something and I didn't get it. I can tell you a lot of instances where I searched for something and didn't find it. And I can tell you more than one occasion when I've knocked and tried to beat a door down so that it would open up for me, and that door never did open up. And so what do we make of this, this, this sentence that Jesus says, hey, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened up to you. When it doesn't resonate with what many of us have experienced in our lives. And so I came up with a couple of reasons. One, the Bible must be wrong, right? I mean, it just doesn't ring true to our experience, so it has to just be completely wrong. We just, just dismiss it. Okay, well, maybe that's not the best option. Maybe Jesus just lied. You know, maybe he was just, 
he just said that, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open to you, and it's, <laughs> they're going to be surprised when this doesn't work out. Well, maybe that wasn't the reason either. Oh, I bet I know what it was. Uh, it has more to do with us than it does with Jesus. Uh, maybe, maybe if we just prayed harder, we would get what we asked for. We would find what we're looking for. The doors would always be opened up to us. Maybe we just pray with a little more passion, a little more zeal. Maybe use some, some highfalutin words when we go to God in prayer. Maybe that's why when we've asked, we haven't received, and when we've sought, we haven't found, and when we've knocked, the door hasn't been opened. We just haven't prayed hard enough. Or maybe, maybe it's not that we haven't prayed hard enough, it's just that we didn't pray often enough. Maybe you stopped four prayers short. If you just prayed that same prayer four more times, you would have asked and God would have given it to you, you would have searched and you would have found it, and the door would have opened up to you. The problem is you just didn't pray often enough. Or maybe the reason why you asked and didn't receive, the reason why you, you uh, sought but didn't find, the reason why you knocked but the door didn't get open to you is because you just ain't living right. If you just put more money in the offering plate, amen? Um, if you were just a little more faithful in coming to church. If you dust off that Bible every once in a while, not just when the preacher comes over and read it, maybe then when you ask, you'd receive. Maybe then when you sought, you'd find. Maybe then you'd knock and the door would be opened unto you. What do we make of this passage. If Jesus says that all you got to do is ask and you get it, seek and you find it, knock and the door will be opened up to us, then why in the world doesn't God do it? Well, I was thinking about a book that I read several years ago by Adam Hamilton. He is an author and a pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and, and he wrote a book several years ago called Why? Making Sense of God's Will. And, and he says that when this doesn't, when what we read in the scripture, when what Jesus says in the gospels doesn't ring true with our own experience, it isn't because the Bible is wrong. It isn't because Jesus lied. And it isn't because uh, something that you and I have done. That typically when something we read Jesus saying in Scripture doesn't ring true with our own experience. It's because we haven't fully understood what Jesus was trying to say in the first place. Hmm. Maybe that's it. You know, I listen to a podcast all the time, and one podcast that I really enjoy listening to is a podcast about Ole Miss athletics. I know, surprise, right? 
uh, I love to listen to these folks talk all about Ole Miss athletics, but one of the things that drives me nuts about this particular podcast is that both of these guys like to use the word hyperbolic a lot. I mean, it seems like 10 times during an episode, it's like, well, that's hyperbolic, hyperbolic, hyperbolic. I'm like, I never hear the word hyperbolic anywhere else, but I hear it ad nauseum on this podcast. And then I started thinking, well, can you really say the word hyperbolic too much? Because the word actually means exaggerated. And so, really, can you over-exaggerate an exaggerated word like hyperbole? Well, maybe not. Maybe that's fine. And I wonder, is that what's going on in our passage of Scripture today? Could Jesus be talking in hyperbole? Might that be what is happening here in this Scripture at all? after all? It's sort of like last week. Remember when I did the children's sermon last week? And these meek, mild little children were standing up here, and I had them laughing hysterically. And I was thinking to myself as I had these kids laughing, these kids are dying laughing. But I didn't turn around to you and say, would you please call 911? These kids are dying laughing. No, it was hyperbole. It was a way of exaggerating what was happening. They were laughing hysterically. They were having a great, great time, but they were not dying. It was just a way of making the point. When I went to eat with the Sages group last Wednesday night, and we, or last Wednesday for lunch, and we went out to Miller's Grocery, I overheard one of them saying, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. I didn't look at them and say, well, you really should try the meatloaf. <laughs> because I knew they weren't literally going to eat a horse. It was exaggerated. It was a way of saying, I'm really, really hungry. And I wonder if that's what's going on in this Scripture lesson this morning. Maybe Jesus' original hearers knew when He said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened up to you. That Jesus didn't mean that that was literally going to happen every time that you did that. It was a way of exaggerating it, making the point that God really does care about what we think we want and what we think we need and where we want to see God at work in our lives. I think maybe they knew that Jesus was exaggerating or else don't you think that everybody that heard Jesus that day would have said, Oh dear Lord, make me rich. Make me rich, Lord. Make me rich. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence that they prayed and all of a sudden every one of them got rich. Don't you know they were tired of being oppressed by the Romans, walking around in their cities with their soldiers and their weapons and keeping them in line? Don't you know that somebody in that moment would have prayed, Dear Lord, get all these Romans out of here. And there's no evidence that immediately they prayed that prayer and Roman soldiers just started marching out of town right away. That did not happen in the text. 
God apparently is not like Amazon Prime where you can just tell him what you want and in two days or less it'll be there. Maybe Jesus was using hyperbole in this story. Maybe he was exaggerating the point. But why isn't God like that? Why doesn't God just give us whatever we want? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, to answer this question, I'm not going to go back to Adam Hamilton. I'm going to go to another theologian by the name of Bruce Nolan. Now, you may not remember the name Bruce Nolan, but you probably do remember the movie that was released about his life called Bruce Almighty. Thank you, Sean. You're the one that reminded me of this movie this week, makes it into the sermon. This is how sermon writing happens. If you didn't see the movie, it came out in 2003. It was about this guy, Bruce. His life wasn't going the way that he wanted it to go. Uh, He was pretty unpleased with the way life had unfolded for him. He thought that God had it out to get him. He thought that God was just trying to punish him for something. He he said he felt like uh, that God was like a little kid with a magnifying glass over an anthill trying to burn all the ants, and he felt like he, Bruce, was the ant. He said that he thought that if he were given the chance to do what God is supposed to be doing, that he could do it a heck of a lot better than God could. And in Hollywood, stuff like that can happen. And so all of a sudden, God allows Bruce to take on the responsibilities of God for a few days. And he just gives him control over the people in the Buffalo, New York area. And there's this one great scene in the movie where Bruce, playing God, sits down at the computer screen as all of the prayers of all of the people are downloading onto his computer. And he gets so frustrated with trying to answer every single one of those prayers the way that he thinks God would want him to that finally he just says, say yes to everything. And everybody in Buffalo, New York that had a prayer to God that day got their prayer answered in just the way that they wanted to. And he thought that that was a great solution until he realized how many people prayed to win the lottery that day. And all of a sudden, everybody did win the lottery, but they only won like $3 or something like that because of so many people had prayed to win the lottery. And then what happens if somebody prays, if two people or more pray to marry the same man or the same woman or to get the same job? How does that even work? It was so chaotic. And Bruce comes to the epiphany that, hey, this being God business is a lot harder than it looks like it could be. And all of a sudden, he begins to realize that the things that we often ask God for, hoping to receive, the things that we often seek God from God, and we often don't find that maybe the reason why we don't is because the things that we ask for, the things that we seek, the doors we try to knock on, may end up causing a lot more harm and hurt in our life than they do good. And it still goes back to the question. Why in the world would Jesus say that we needed to be persistent in asking 
and seeking and knocking. And I think here's where we go back to the very beginning of the passage of Scripture. When those disciples ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, when you pray, begin like this. Father, heavenly parent, holy parent. And the best way that I can describe what I think, why that's so important that he says we address God as parent, I can describe with my own mama. My mother died a little over a year ago this month. And uh, I've shared with y'all before, I was a mama's boy. Uh, My mama and I had a close, close, close relationship. And I told my mother, especially when she was in her right mind and her memory had not begun to fail and her health declined, I told my mama everything. I told her all of my hopes and all of my dreams, and all of my anxieties, and all of my fears. I told Mama everything. Now, my Mama, there were situations where, regardless of what hopes and dreams and fears and anxieties I I revealed to her, there was nothing she could do about it. She, she She was limited in what she could do. But there were times, and I promise you this, there were times when my mother could have done something. She could have done something to help me to find what I was looking for. She could have helped me to receive something that I'd asked for. She could have even helped open a door for me that I really wanted open. But my mother, in her wisdom, having been around the block a few times herself, having been able to see things that as a younger person I could not see myself, my mother somehow instinctively knew then to do that for me, then then to make that happen for me might not be the best approach. She decided that sometimes God might want to use somebody else to speak into my life. Sometimes my mother, even in her wisdom, realized that, Tommy, you need to do something on your own to make that happen and not expect somebody else or God to do it for you. Now, do you think that I stopped telling my mama my dreams and my fears and my anxieties and my hopes and my desires because she didn't always act and do exactly what she could have done to make my life better? No. I loved her. And, and, and I knew that, that it, I, I needed to share all of those things with her even if she could have done something but chose not to do something even though I couldn't understand it at the time. I never stopped going to her and telling her all the things that I felt like I needed, that I desired, that I was looking for. Do I think she didn't care because she chose not to do things for me that she thought maybe I should do myself? Do I think that she didn't love me because she decided that maybe someone else around you needs to be the answer 
to that prayer instead of me? Absolutely not. I knew that my mother loved me. I knew that my mother cared for me. And I knew that whatever my mother was doing was in her best mind to help me to be a better person. To grow in my faith. To be willing to to look for how God might be moving in others and in the world. I think that's why we're told to ask. That's why we're told to seek. And that's why we're told to knock. Because God wants to be in relationship with us. God loves us so much. God wants to know what's on our mind and in our hearts. God wants to know our greatest hopes and dreams, our fears and our anxieties. And sometimes when it seems like God's not answering, it's because God has decided, you know what, in my wisdom, I can see things, Tommy, that you can't see. And and I believe that that, um, there are people around you, other followers of mine, that, that are to be the answer to your prayer. Or I believe sometimes, Tommy, you need to to do something on your own. But I don't want you to give up coming to me and trusting in me and telling me your deepest needs and desires. And with the relationship that I desire from you, with you coming to me and me spending time with you, over the course of time, I believe that you and I eventually do what Jesus tells us we should do in the prayer that began our scripture today. The more time we spend with God, the deeper our relationship is with God, the greater trust and love we have for God, the more we will begin to seek to do God's will rather than our own. God wants us to come and to share, but to trust that God is with us. And sometimes God sees what we can't see. Keep asking. Keep being persistent. Keep coming to God because God is honored when we do. And just be prepared that the way God chooses to answer the prayer might look different than what we want. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care for us. God wants us to be in relationship.